0: Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom.
1: Good evening. <laughs> Welcome to our Tuesday evening Torah class. Um, boy, it's cold out. Of course, it's all, it's all relative. You know, at least we're not living in North Dakota. Three feet of snow in Flagstaff. Yeah, that's... Yeah. And I did just turn on the heater here. It'll warm up in a few minutes and it won't be quite so nippy in here. Um, Let me open in prayer. Well, Father God, thank you for the evening. Thank you for this group of people that decided to come and uh, uh, study your Torah. Uh, We know that you bless us for doing that. And Father God, I just thank you that you've led each one of us to a deeper understanding of you and a love for your word and a desire to know you better. And I ask that you bless our conversation this evening that we might grow a little bit in our understanding of you and our understanding of each other. In Yeshua's name, amen. Okay, let's see. We've been, as you know, working our way through the book of um, Exodus. Oh, wait a minute. I've got an administrative detail I need to talk about. As I've been mentioning the past two times, I wanted to make sure and do this plenty ahead of time. Next Tuesday, there will be a different event here, and we won't be having the Torah class. Next Tuesday is a an event for women. It's got uh, a name I can't pronounce very well. Aguela, something like that, and it um, <clears throat> means redemption. It's a time that the women are going to get together and um, praise and worship, and dance. I understand even. Okay, so um, is it going to be televised? You know. Okay, it. Uh, if you were to tune in next Tuesday evening, you'd either see it or nothing, but you you won't be seeing us, okay, because we're, but we'll be back the following Tuesday, and we'll just pick up right where we left off, so you won't have missed anything. <clears throat> okay, concerning the where we left off, we're in Exodus, and we've just finished the chapter with the Ten Commandments, and it goes into some detail now in some of the other commandments, and that's what we've been kind of going through. We, uh started um, chapter 22 and the first part of chapter 22 dealt with uh, uh, the protection of property where we found out uh, that you have a responsible people people are allowed to own things people in God's kingdom if you will are allowed to own things and that you have a responsibility uh, both for the ownership of things and for uh, respecting the rights of others that own things and so we went through some of that. It was kind of interesting. I don't know if, uh, if any of you felt like that was uh, worth talking about. I, I enjoyed that. I, I, uh, I liked the, the lawnmower rule I called. It was uh, the one about, and then the last few verses, well, I shouldn't say the last few verses, like, um, let's see, verse 14, 14 and 15. If a man borrows an animal from his neighbor and it is injured or dies while the owner is not present, he must make restitution. But if the owner is with an animal, the borrower will not if the owner is with the animal, the borrower will not have to make have to pay. If the animal was hired, the money paid for the hire covers the loss. And I I related that to borrowing your neighbor's lawnmower. And how if you borrow your neighbor's lawnmower and you're you're out mowing your rocks in the backyard and he's not around, you break it, then you have to fix it. You have to pay to fix it. But if he's sitting there with you, you know, as if to say, well, sure, it ought to mow those rocks and it breaks, then you don't have to. Anyway. So now we have another one. We're starting in verse 16. Are there any comments before we get started? Exodus chapter 22, starting in verse 16. So we like to let... Let's see, we don't have a microphone person. Where's... Okay, thank you. Are you volunteering? It looked like you made a movement. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the microphone's up there, right by that stapler. And I checked it a moment ago, and I think it works. You have to turn it on. Move the O-N, OFF switch to the ON position. Okay, this, would somebody like to read from verse 16 to the end of chapter 22? We've got to we go out and recruit more readers. Okay. The microphone operator himself will read that. Hello. Whoa. Which
2: verse?
1: From verse 16 to the end of chapter 22.
2: 16 to the end. Yeah. And when a man entices a maiden who is not engaged and lies with her, he shall certainly pay the uh, the bride price for her to be his wife. If her father absolutely refuses to give her to him, he pays according to the bride price of maidens. Do not allow a practitioner of witchcraft to live. Anyone lying with a beast shall certainly be put to death. He who slaughters to an Elohim, except to Yahweh only, is put under the ban. Do not tread down a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Mitzrayim. Do not afflict any widow or fatherless child, if you do afflict them at all. If they cry out to me at all, I shall certainly hear their cry, and my wrath shall burn, and I shall kill you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows, and your children fatherless. If you lend silver to any of my people, the poor among you, uh, you are not to be like one that lends on interest to him. Do not lay interest on him. If you take your neighbor's garment as a pledge at all, you are to return it to him before the sun goes down. For that is his only covering. It is his garment for his skin. What does he sleep in? And it shall be that when he cries to me, I shall hear, for I show favor. Do not revile an Elohim, nor curse a ruler of your people. Do not delay giving your harvest and your vintage. Give me the firstborn of your sons. Likewise, you are to do with your oxen with your, with your sheep. Uh, it is to be with its mother seven days. On the eighth day, you give it to me. And you are set apart men to me, and you do not eat any meat which is torn to pieces in the field. You throw it to the dogs.
1: Okay, <clears throat> this kind of looks like a, a hodgepodge, but all of these are, are, are important things to at least consider, and then maybe we can see what might tie them together. So if we go back up to verse 16, verse um, What's the penalty for seducing a, a virgin? You, yeah, you basically have to marry her. This is, this is the shotgun wedding clause is what this is, right? Um, it says that um, he must pay the bride, the bride price, the dowry, and she shall be his wife. Okay, so that's if you, if you sleep with her, you got to marry her. That's, that's where that comes from, right here in the Bible, right? um with the, an additional thing there that says, if the father absolutely refuses to give her to him, he must still pay for her so that I think that's kind of interesting that's i mean that's again that probably i don 't i don 't know for sure but i i 'll bet you that was different than the customs that were in place in some of the neighboring uh neighboring societies any thoughts so we have that. Followed right along by "Do not allow a sorceress to live." Now, there's a good connection. Do you think?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. Maybe again. What does that mean? "Do not allow a sorceress to live." What's a sorceress? Witch. Oh, what'd you say? Fortune tellers. Okay. A witch. I heard. Psychics. Psychics. Okay. So what what would uh, what would God have against those people?
4: Well, one thing, they're pagan. And another okay. thing is that the, they're um, demon-possessed. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like um go to a fortune teller and they have this crystal ball and they say, well, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and then there's a uh, 800 number uh, that you can call in California and, get, and get a reading yeah, yeah, I'll get a yeah, money. Yeah. And uh, but it's strictly I like the idea where God says they're to be put to death.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, Can we still do that? Well, we yeah we do not obviously. Um, I guess one of the points I read about this, which I thought was kind of important, was that the uh, uh, I'll read the little note in my Bible here. It says a woman with A sorceress. Notice it says a sorceress, not a sorcerer. It says a woman with an evil supernatural power who practiced various occult activities such as seances, divination, and witchcraft. Sorcery was a crime against God because it sought the powers of spirits other than God. So, do you think that's a fair note? Some of the notes in the Bible aren't that good, but that's that's basically it's working. It's one of two things, both of which are wrong. One, of it, one is it's seeking power that's not God's. You know, they're, they're going after other gods. And the other is if they're not doing that, then they're seeking to manipulate God, right? Because they're going to they're gonna go to him and, and try to get him to do something that they want. Mark.
0: Sorry for the delay in response, okay. but I was checking... Um Hebrew words to, to see if I was correct what I was going to say. I appreciate that. In verse 16, it says, if a man seduces a virgin, the Hebrew word here is betula. Okay. Which is what that constellation in the heaven is called, betula. Okay. So the Virgo, the virgin. But if you go over to um, Isaiah seven fourteen. It says, therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin It's not the same word as betula. Really? Yeah. So the Hebrew word here is Alma. And this is what our Jewish brothers contend. They will say, you're claiming that your Messiah was born a virgin, but it's not the word betula, it's Alma. Now, I've got to do some more research on, on the, this Hebrew word. Okay. But what I was busy digging was it's the same Greek word in the Septuagint for both. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: So so the Hebrew got translated differently. Two different Hebrew words got translated to the same Greek word.
0: Correct. Or, yeah, yeah. Something, something's not... Something's amiss. Something's wrong. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, it's the same Greek word, which is the oldest text we have. Uh-huh. And it's rendering it both like it is in our Exodus 22 portion, the same as it is over in Isaiah, which is interesting because that's a point we always need to make. If you're ever presented with that issue, well, it's really, it's just a maiden, meaning a young woman. Mm-hmm. Their contention is, is that he, it, it really isn't a virgin, it's just a young woman. Yeah. And the Greek doesn't, the Greek says, no, she's, she's a virgin. Okay, hmm.
1: interesting. John's
5: got something. So, back to the 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 witch...
1: Sorceress.
5: Sorceress? Yeah. Uh, That is Kasaf, Strong's number H3784, the only Septuagint that cross references to to that, and maybe uh, Mark and Cross can... Verify this is G5333 Pharma uh, Pharmacos, which is the same. If you look up that one, it says it says the same as G5332 Pharmakias.
1: So that's the Greek,
5: yeah. The Greek,
1: okay. So, is this, well, is, we
5: understand, we've we heard pharmacia before.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's, it's the Greek word that we get pharmacy and f- right. that a, kind of stuff. Right, a drug
5: that is a spell given portion, druggist, pharmacist.
1: All right, all right. Interesting, interesting.
4: There's a, uh, there's a, there's a uh, magazine out that's given free to all the different places throughout the valley and everything. It's Natural Awakening or whatever. Okay. Okay. And if you look in uh, all the, in the back of the magazine, how many of the psychics, the faith healers, everything else in that, fortune tellers, are all women? Mm-hmm. Very, very few men are in this. There are some, but the majority, I would say 99.5%, are women.
1: <laughs> okay. That's interesting. Interesting. Well, the next verse will get us into an even worse subject, if you will. Verse 19 says, anyone who has sexual relations with an animal must be put to death. I remember when I first started reading the Torah, I was uh, a little bit put off by some of the graphic nature of some of the stuff in there. I mean, that's just... I thought, my gosh, do we really have to have that in the Bible? But (laughs) Obviously, it was a obviously problem. Obviously, we do. Yeah, obviously we do. And then I got to thinking about it. You know, all the uh, the Greek mythology, these mythological characters, these satyrs and minotaurs or whatever it is. That's you know, I don't know whether they ever really existed. I kind of tend to doubt it. But that's obviously where that would come from, if you will. Anyway.
6: So this last week I saw um, a study that was showing um, the reason why um, Israel was um, reprimanded so harshly was because they were breaking all of these things. Oh, yeah. And so it's pretty bad what they did, and then the punishment in return was all of those things were back at them. So those are those other things for us to look into because... Um, then they don't prove it, but they substantiate. Yeah. When you see who has incurred those same curses.
1: Yep, that's a good point. Um, uh, like I say, it's it's well known that this kind of activity was was involved in some of the um, pagan worship. Yeah. Mark.
0: Probably be real easy to find out where the Northern Kingdom is. Just follow the sin trail. Yeah, yeah. Just as a, as a little bit of a humor here on whoever lies with an animal, of course, this, this Hebrew word is behemoth and means beast. Beast. So I guess people ought to be careful about calling their spouse, you beast you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think we yes, should. I would be careful of that. <laughs> so verse 20 says, whoever sacrifices to any god other than Yahweh must be destroyed. Joe. Okay.
4: Going back to the sources, uh, it's, uh, nothing's new under the sun. Yep. And now we they're calling it a, um, oh, I had the word, uh, new age. Yeah. And uh, everything that is mentioned in here, you can put the title, new age.
1: Yeah. And it hasn't gone away. That's a very good point. We're reading about stuff that's, that was written and described at least... 3,500 years ago, and we still have uh, people that, uh, you know, call up the spirits of the dead, and you want to talk to this, this dead uncle or whatever, you can, you know, I mean, they, they still do this, you're right, they, this, is, this is still around. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: And you think of like a movie like Ghost, which, uh, you know, well, we all know what it's about, but it's basically about communing with dead people. Yeah. And, uh, how society is conditioned to be accepting of this, you know, and, you know, for the most part, people just turn a blind eye to, you know, these kind of things. Yeah. And I think when we start, you know, reading what the scriptures say, you know, it's pretty serious business. I mean, you're treading on some Very thin ice when you involve yourself in these kinds of things.
1: I think what society likes us to believe or would have us believe is it's just, oh, it's harmless. You know, harmless. And, boy, that's not what God says. (laughs) In verse 21, well, 20 20 says, whoever sacrifices to any god other than Yahweh must be destroyed. In other words, he doesn't have have any uh, patience for this at all. He calls it what it is. It's uh, idolatry and it's a worship of another god. So,
4: yeah. It, it's amazing when uh, I was in this at one time in my life where uh, it was given by two psychologists over in Phoenix this years and years ago. And uh, where uh, Satan uh, jumping up and down in joy that is in this culture. And... Uh, If somebody who has been in it one time in their life, and uh, to understand all the ramifications that uh, this brings on to a person, it's uh, really bad, so uh, God was right on. Those people should be executed just like he would with a poison snake or something else.
1: So my question to you, oh, John's got something first.
4: I was just
5: curious why one word is put to death and the other one is destroyed. There are different words. I looked them up. Moot yep. was like the death one, and the other one I'd never heard of before, but it's a Be different. Be destroyed.
1: Word. Let's see. I have a note on mine that says something about that.
4: It says, Kar- it's, a, it's a
1: Hebrew term referring to the irrevocable giving over of things or persons to Yahweh often by totally destroying them. I think typically it was burning at the stake or something along those lines. It was it was it wasn't stoning.
5: Karam is the Hebrew word. Yeah,
1: Karam. That's that's the that's the name of the sacrifice in which the object sacrificed is totally
5: like a hole burnt? Uh,
1: totally well, yeah, it's totally destroyed.
5: It's totally creamed, it's totally karamed?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So in the- go ahead.
2: The next verse, it says, well, at least my Bible says, put under the ban. Is that the yep. same as? Uh,
1: put under the ban is is, is Karim, yeah. Karim? Yeah, Karim, yeah. So my uh, my question to you, oh, wait, got another one.
7: When we go back to the sorcerers,
1: like yeah. they have somebody they're supposed to conjure up and talk to you. Yep. Do they actually believe that that's person talking to them? I don't have any experience or hearing much about that, but. Uh, I didn't believe we talked to him, or is a sorcerer just kind of putting something in there so you think it sounds like their husband or your wife or whatever? Well, no, I think um, I, I, let me just point you to one thing, and that was the uh, the night before uh, Saul, King Saul, died, and you know Samuel uh, basically condemned Saul and told him because you didn't obey God the way He told you to obey Him, you're going to lose the kingdom. The kingdom's going to be taken away from you. And the, there's, there's a big battle, I'm paraphrasing, of course, a big battle, and Saul was concerned about it, and he went to the witch of Endor, and he said, I need to speak to Samuel. Samuel's long since dead. And the witch of Endor was able to use her magic powers and, and conjure up, evidently, the spirit of Samuel, who basically told Saul, well, I'm sorry, bud, but tomorrow's your last day. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's paraphrasing again. But I guess... There's a case in the Bible that documents that that's exactly what they did. Now, I think, you know, a lot of times when you watch it in popular, popular movies and all this stuff, um, it's real common to, to, you know, have some elaborate system of, of fake, something or other. Um, but usually, again, this is just listening to what goes on in the culture, is there's, you know, something happens that makes a lot of times wants you to go away with the idea that there, this could be done. Yeah.
5: It's First uh, Samuel twenty-eight, and it says, "There's a woman that hath a familiar spirit," which is uh, Ove.
1: Oh, Ove. Okay.
5: I kind of made a mistake about that. Okay. On Shabbat, but never will.
2: I
3: personally believe that this the Samuel that he brought up was a demonic impersonator. Yep,
1: that's probably true.
3: But it doesn't neither here nor there. What yep. my comment was going to be that it's interesting to me how merciful God is to choose to eliminate these people immediately. We foolishly put them into prison for life, which is much much Less merciful. Yes, you're, that's yeah. a
1: very good point. I've often thought that, you know. You know, life, who's, who says life imprisonment isn't a cruel and unusual punishment? Yeah.
4: Was well, the known fact that Satan uh, comes as an angel of light. Mm-hmm. And uh, what this gentleman here said that uh, somebody in a uh, seance where the knocking on the table, at the table like that, and then I was thinking of also about the Ouija boards mm-hmm. where if you if a and transmental meditation where if you empty your mind mm-hmm. that you're just uh opening uh a gate where the where Satan come in because yeah. and he makes it so logical oh yeah and uh, so anyway uh thank God for this verse because <laughs> because they are. The, the danger goes beyond what the, that, and uh, John was talking about death and destroy. Mm-hmm. Well, if you kill somebody, their body is dead, but if you destroy them, they are completely uh, obliterated.
1: hmm hmm that's true. Hi. well Welcome, obviously. Um, Okay. The question I want to pose here is verses sixteen through uh, twenty. Is there anything that connects them? Verse sixteen talks about you know the shotgun wedding thing, and then the, we have the deal with the sorceress and sexual relations with the beast. What do you what do you think about that? Do you think do you see a connection there between those verses? So, I don't know whether this is a strong one, but it's kind of interesting. <clears throat> How does God view idolatry? God views idolatry as uh, basically unfaithfulness to the contract that He has with them. Idolatry to God is like adultery in a marriage, right? And so the verse 16 talks about um, the worst-case scenario in a marriage, if you will, and the rest of the verses talk about idolatry practices of idolatry. So I don't know, maybe he's trying to make some point here about, uh, you know, the, the rigor with which we, let's see, the sanctity of the contract of marriage is the same as the contract you signed with me. It's as if that's what he's trying to say, you know, and, and if, you, if you think you can get away with these kind of practices with me, then, you know, you don't, you don't understand marriage or the other way around. I'm just making this up, but it kind of sounded like a good one to me. John.
5: No, I I like where you're going there, but I mean, it is a little different. 16 is about someone, if you marry someone like haphazardly without. Yeah. And you, you can't just not do not marry, not respect her and then go, well, I realize now that I need to have this. Yeah. A a right woman to be be involved with who's, who's, who is the same uh, uh, spiritual level that I'm at. Yeah. Um. So I can have a proper relationship with, with Yahweh. I could see that.
1: Yeah. That's kind of where I'm getting with right. I, You know, I'm sure I could have explained that better. But the, the, the point is, is there's a whole lot to be said about the marriage contract and the similarity between the marriage contract and the contract that we signed with God at Sinai. Okay. Okay. In
4: verse 19, he said, He that sacrifices unto the gods. Mm-hmm. Save unto the Lord only. Well, God has already said in uh, the Ten Commandments that He's already uh, told Israel that I am the Lord your God. Yeah, so if, you, if, uh, if you're sacrificing to others and it's a small g, it's a, the pagan uh, deities and so on and so forth, that's when uh, He says uh, He shall be utterly destroyed. It's like when uh, they were worshiping the sun, the the different pagans were worshiping other gods. You know, the God of the moon, the God of the sun, so on and so forth. So that's a sacrifice. Or they uh, were throwing their children into uh, the, whatever that was, uh, that was a sacrifice into a false god.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're right.
3: The tie I see is all lust of the flesh. Oh, that's a good one.
1: That's a good one. All lusts of the flesh. Yeah, I like that. Well, let's go on. Um, verse twenty-one kind of moves a little different. Little different vein. Verse twenty-one says, "Whoever uh, do not mistreat an alien or oppress him, for you were aliens in Egypt." Okay. That's just basically, you know how this feels, so don't do it, right? That's kind of the way I'd paraphrase that. Uh, Verse 22, do not take advantage of a widow or an orphan. If you do and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will be aroused and I will kill you with a sword. Your wives will become widows and your children fatherless. Now that's obviously meant to be Harsh for a reason, John.
5: So, are we supposed to do this, or do we give this to tell somebody else to do all this stuff? <laughs> of, take care of the widows and the fathers and the children. Yep. Isn't that what James says in one twenty-seven? Here, here. Pure religion. Yeah. So this something I, I contend this is something we can do. We just haven't figured out that we haven't been doing it for eighty years or so. Yep. And we need to start figuring out how to back out of what we've done yep. and take this seriously.
1: Yep. Yep. I agree with it. I agree with it. The, um, again, this goes back to one of the things that the Torah teaches pretty strongly is you, each of us has a responsibility to the neighbors in our, congrega- in our congregation, our community, and especially the widow and the orphan. Now, why the widow and the orphan? because they're going through life at a disadvantage, right? Life is automatically harder for the widow and the orphan than it is for a a family unit. Yeah.
5: So I would take how you connected uh, 19 with 16. Yep. I would connect 19 with the... I would put the paragraph before 19, because if you're sacrificing to another god, I I would consider Social Security another god. We we're saying... You take this money, and and you deal with this thing. So we're we're or it's even you can even argue you're sacrificing your children because you're sacrificing the future financial earnings of your children
1: yeah.
5: to somebody else. Yeah. Social Security is not your God. Yahweh is your God. Okay. So I would make I would put the connection sacrificing to other gods. I it, it's tribute. You spo- how do we sacrifice? We're supposed to pay tribute. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's part of the sacrifice to God. Well if we're doing it to somebody else, pretending that it's it's not okay. I, know, I know those I know that's a strong thing to say, but
1: No no, I I think that's a valid point, but I wanted to say a couple of things just to you know, do the counterbalance to some okay, degree. One is is it's a law and we're forced to do the laws whether we want to or not. But the real problem comes, if you ask me, in that there would have been no need for that law had society been functioning the way God intended. If society had been functioning the way God intended, Social Security wouldn't be a problem because people would take care of them because we know it's our responsibility. And it would be happening um, through, if you will, the church, but through the, the way that we operate our society. The, the problem is that we allowed the government to take over a responsibility that we hadn't been fulfilling. Yeah.
7: No, I, I strongly, strongly disagree with John. <laughs> I, think, I think here in this country and many other countries, they have some form of social security. Mm-hmm. And the reason is you just explained it is because people are pretty much bullying the, the father, the, the fatherless, the orphans, the widows. Yep. Uh, the disabled. Yep. And where it used to be is, you know, um, you just, you know, they're castoffs. Yeah. And so Social Security is a way to provide so that everybody, while you're working and and able and capable of working, you put into a system Mm -hmm. and then you start collecting when you're not able to do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful that I paid into the system and and I am now benefiting from it and collecting uh, the Social Security check every month because uh, I might be able to work a few hours a day, but that that wouldn't be sufficient. No, so I am I'm, I'm totally in the same disagree mode. with John. Okay. Okay.
2: <laughs> well, I don't t- totally disagree with John. I think the point he's trying to make is that if we did things the way we should, we would have no need for the social security system or the interference of government in our lives. And in that way. In that way. I yeah.
1: agree. I agree.
2: But I'm not saying that social security, Social Security, the way it is now, I mean, I'm getting to that point where I'm going to have to be collecting it in a few more years, and I hope there's something for me there, but, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not putting my eggs in that basket, you know. I mean, I, I think we, sh- we need to be careful and, yeah. and yeah. say, that, you know, that all good things come from above, yeah. not from my government. Yeah. You well,
1: know, but, I guess I think the problem was is we, we let the government have that, that job. We shouldn't have done that.
4: All I can say, praise the Lord, that I get Social Security. If I mm-hmm. didn't, mm-hmm. Uh, at 83 years so, old, I, I would be dead. But are we the only nation uh, that takes care of the
1: elderly? No, no. As Margaret said, although I will say this, other nations have different ways of doing it that may be a little more palatable. In Japan... I know it's more of a family obligation. That's
4: what I'm driving yeah. at, where they don't kick out grandma and grandpa yeah. and put them in rest homes or everything else yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is an issue, without a doubt. Don't oh. you got something?
6: So um, <clears throat> I want to kind of stir the pot a little. <laughs> oh, we don't do that around here. <laughs> So the issue lies in how much do we really want to follow Yah and his word. So we can compromise it and say, oh, well, this is what we have, and this is this, and this is that. But until we get to the point where we say, we're going to clothe ourselves in sackcloth and ashes, and we're going to repent, and then we're going to trust him that we're not going to die, that there's some other way. Because he wants to prove himself. He wants to be our only Elohim. And so John's point is very valid. It's really actually essential mm-hmm. because there's no way we're going to come to repentance if we continue to compromise where our hearts are really supposed to be. And if we excuse ourselves and all these things and we limit it to only a few commandments or a few things that we think are safe, mm-hmm. then we'll never get to the place that he really is the one that we trust.
1: Well, that's a good point because what I think implied I'm in what sorry. you're saying... <laughs> Implied in what you're saying is that we're giving the government uh, the uh, the place in our lives that God ought to have. Right. And, and the, I don't like that either. That's
6: so, but the other thing, just to, to transition it, because I've had to put it in practice. It's not like I haven't practiced this. I have, I, we've made some very difficult decisions for about 20 years. And so, you know, things like when we had our children, we didn't have... Um, any assistance. We chose not to have assistance when we had nothing. So we had to, it was very difficult. Um, It wasn't that way with the first ones because we were, um, we had insurance and those things, but we made some decisions because insurance we were feeling also was a reliance upon something that wasn't Mm -hmm. integrous in our faith. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, is, and so we made some difficult decisions and the miracles that he did to make it so that we even live through all this. (laughs) So um, it's not, it's, it's not like I'm just saying it. I mm-hmm. mean, I've gone through it and, um, but the thing is, is that those are the thing. it's not like he, he's going to expect you to be able to just make, or you could probably just put your full trust and see who he brings and what he does. But the, you know, he's merciful, like she was saying in many different ways and will transition us but we need to ask him, mm-hmm. and we need to truly give him our heart to say, what is possible with you? Mm-hmm. You know, what ways am I really compromising, and I'm not really faithful to you because you are faithful, and mm-hmm. you're still being faithful to me even when I'm not, right? He's still providing, and, and we can be thankful for the provision through some other means, but yet we are not experiencing true dependency upon him and true earnest willingness to be, you know, really you fill in the words. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. We we have so... I like this discussion. It's kind of fun.
6: If I'm not mistaken, these instructions are to a certain group of people. Yep. It wasn't that they were to go into every other camp and destroy the sorcerers that... No, it was,
3: it, I, it was uh, for that them. ...that
6: existed in the other nations. All of these instructions seem to apply just to a certain group of people. And if we look across the board in the US, I mean, we have a system that's in place, but it's not, you know, it's widespread. It applies to everybody depending on where you come from. Yeah,
1: and and as a a former president we had once said, you know, uh, the United States is no longer a Christian nation. So why should we expect that to apply here is the point. Yeah,
6: that's fair. Um. I will share the mic, but but the other thing is, is in in our country, the way it's set up is actually, if you want to use the word Caesar, we are the Caesars because we're the ones who have authority over those that we Mm -hmm. choose to govern and to be the representatives. So when we excuse ourselves for our lack of authority, especially as believers, like you said, it's, it's us, right? We can't expect everyone else. But it was always a small percentage. He never required a large percentage. It was just his people, right? Gideon, and it was just those who were faithful. So we are still here because there are faithful people, people that are making sacrifices on levels that I'm not making them or others aren't making them. And he's, he honors that. The thing is, is we are, we have to take more responsibility. We have been given much in this country and much is founded on the word. That's why we have so much that we have is because so much has been based upon his word. So it's not really labels, Christian nation or anything else like that. It's about us honoring him and his word. And he continues to be faithful to those who do that. And by his grace, we are still here. Yep. Yep. And so... You know, so it's, it, but he's merciful, so it's not a judgment on anybody for what we cannot do yet. But, the, but my comment is just, you know, let's continue to pursue him in areas that seem difficult. That,
1: that's, that's true. That touches on another thing in terms of, you know, we have a responsibility to as, as a person, and God speaks to us as a person, but we also have a responsibility as a community. Wait, one more sec. Well, okay, go ahead.
4: Oh, thank you. Uh, One of the things is that uh, as uh, believers, we ask God for help, and the help comes in many different ways. Mm -hmm. He uses other believers, like in the New Testament, where they brought their tithes into the the congregations. And uh, God tells us to look out for one another. Okay, now, if you pray for something... And you've got to have faith that God hears you. And sometimes, as for me, it's really hard to believe that uh, God's going to do that. But yet, this is where faith comes in. Mm-hmm. And I tell God, you said in your word that you would never uh, forsake us or leave us. And then uh, I think what David said when he was old and young or whatever, he never seen the righteous forsaken. Yeah. So we have to hang on to that, even though it's very hard but we still have to have faith that God loves us and that mm-hmm. he, wants us, he wants to do the very best for us.
1: I agree. I think this discussion has gone a little bit differently than I would have gone <laughs> given the, what the thing actually says. It says, do not take advantage of a widow or an orphan. In other words, uh, it's not saying fail to take care of it, although it could be that. But it's basically saying if you see someone like a widow or an orphan who is clearly someone that's easy to take advantage of and you choose to do that that's that's what he really is Is that's why he's harsh he's you know like oh I don't know I remember being in a case where the lady next door was a widow and gee we'd, we'd helped her in many many ways but she got behind on the mortgage on her house and, they foreclosed and evicted her. Now, if I had been the mortgage company, I wouldn't have done that. But of course the mortgage company is a faceless, heartless kind of an organization and they don't recognize that they have a responsibility. But I guess I think I think more along those lines. If you see someone that's uh, someone that's easy to take advantage of, and you do it, God is really He's really not, and they come to him and say, did you see what this person did to me? God will hear them, <laughs> and he's not going to be happy with you. So I really kind of think what we've said is all fine and good, and I enjoyed the conversation, but I think what the thing is really trying to talk about is taking care, taking aim at those that are less capable.
7: It seems like in 24, the, the boomerang will come around if you yeah, do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much it tells you, you know, this is, this is going to happen to you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
7: kill you with a sword, and then your wives will be widows, and your children will be fatherless. Yeah. So.
1: yeah, how you like it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> As a, in, in, in the immortal words of the, what, Karate Kid: What goes around comes around. Yeah, okay. Moving right along. Um. Verse twenty-five: If you lend money out to one of my people among you who is needy, do not be a money lender like a moneylender, but charge him no interest. If you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it to him by sunset, because his cloak is the only covering for his body. What else will he sleep in? When he cries out to me, I will hear him, for I am compassionate. So, what's going on with this? First of all, it makes a clear statement about uh, charging members of the community, the Mishpokah, interest on a loan. The answer to that's No, we don't do that, right? Now, a lot of people point out, and it's definitely true, uh, it says, do not lend money to one of my people among you who is needy. You know, it doesn't say, do not lend money to aliens that are uh, living among you, or to foreigners. It just basically says, do not lend money to one of my people among you. In other words, it's family, right? Now, family is a big deal in the Hebrew community, but it's family any thoughts about that?
7: Well then it, and then too in the Shemitah in the 7th year there's there's the forgiveness of debt to mm-hmm. your people to yes. your yes. people so that's a good point. Uh, I don't I don't know that it that it means to somebody that it's not in the in the faith. Well, although you could. Yeah, you, I, know, you could, you know. If, yep.
1: I don't know that that means that necessarily yeah. either but i kind of i kind of think it does you know i'm not i'm not going to the mat on that one <laughs> i've borrowed money to lend it out and had to pay interest on the money so yeah. i expect them to pay that that's the cost of the money yeah so i expect them to pay that back yeah yeah
2: no. were you saying you should not loan to your brother or?
1: no 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 i'm saying when you loan to your brother oh, you should I not you charge said, interest
5: yeah, okay. So if an Islam loaned to a Christian, they could charge interest, and vice versa.
1: That's what I'm saying. It's it's not like it's being,
5: you know, this rule only applies to us. It depends on the context, it seems to me. Uh,
1: Like I say, I I could be interpreting it wrong, but I don't think so. We don't, uh, okay. Well, once my
2: brother-in-law loaned me $6,000, and he didn't charge me interest, and that was great.
1: Well I've had I've had members of my own family charge me interest but so <laughs> what are you going to do
5: <laughs> I hate lending mother bro, money to my brother it causes amnesia
1: <laughs> That's good I hate lending mother money to my brother because it causes amnesia yeah, I like that So basically the that, the last sentence of that verse is really what what it uh, says, you know, when somebody don't, when you take a cloak for someone as a pledge, give it back to him at night, because what else is he going to sleep in? Now, uh, that's a good point. You know, some guy leaves a pledge, it's like uh, I, I, you go, you run out of gas, so you go to the gas station and you want to get a gas can, and he says, okay, you know, leave me 25 bucks for this $5 gas can. That's the pledge. And the thing is, that, that's a bad example, but the thing is, it says it, the last word, be compassionate, for I am compassionate. You know, God's a forgiving God. God, God understands the situation that you're in, and he's, He works with you. I mean, boy, I'm here to tell you, He's forgiven me a lot of things that I've goofed up on. Um, so give people a break. You know, don't, uh, don't be so hard-hearted.
5: Did you say He's gracious?
1: Compassionate.
5: Oh, Can uh, kan, Kanun is the Hebrew word for I am gracious is what it says in the King James.
1: Okay. That's I didn't
5: know that was in the Old Testament. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Verse 28 says, do not blaspheme God or curse the ruler of your people. That's an interesting, interesting connection there. Mark's got something to say about that one.
0: So I looked up this word "ruler," and it is the uh, Hebrew word nasi," and it literally means um, a anyone that has been elevated to a position of leadership, whether it was by a body of people or whatever to to rule or to have um, responsibility or care over, you're not to do those things of that so you know, we've gotta as a people, we've gotta be very careful. Like, you know, the New Testament talks about that. About, you know, don't be don't be harsh against your rulers, don't be cursing yeah. your these are the things we've gotta be careful not to do. Yeah. I think it even says don't bring don't 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 ever bring a single witness against one of your rulers. You've got to bring two witnesses. Yeah. So yeah. it's we've got to be very careful about how we deal with the people yeah. who have been put in charge.
1: Yeah. Because
0: God says, I'm the one that put those that's people in charge.
1: Saying. Yeah. That's the key to it. He says, those people are there because I've, I've put them there. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why those two kind of go together, if you will. Do not blaspheme God or curse the ruler of your people. Because by, by cursing the ruler of the people, you kind of are doing that. Your basic. The
7: reason I said that is because sometimes you think
1: kings. Yeah. No, no, it's it's yeah, it's anybody in your group that's been elevated with uh, I don't know, elevated to a position of authority. Yeah, parents, good example.
4: Yeah, yeah, you know, the politicians uh, take a look at this because of <laughs> President Trump is our president, good yep. or bad or whatever. Yep. 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 And uh, we should stand behind him as the president. Yep. And uh, all these, excuse me, Democrats are, are fighting <laughs> and in we, him and everybody you know, on, else are fighting him. Yeah, we're, and we we're not, should stand behind him.
1: Okay. That's, that, the, the opinions of the speaker are not necessarily the
7: Demo- Democrat here. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> we love you, Margaret.
7: I don't apologize for it either. Um, <laughs> It says, do not curse. Doesn't mean we, you know, we have to agree with what they're doing. Uh,
1: that's a fair point. We have to
7: acknowledge that they're in, in a position of authority, and okay,
1: that's what they do. It's okay. You can, <laughs> the point is, is it's okay you, to you say. You don't
7: have to agree with them.
1: Yeah, it's okay to say, <laughs> I don't agree with what you're doing.
7: Yeah. It, it says here, do not curse. I'm going to look up the word right now.
1: Okay, that's, I
6: think that's a very good point. So here, again, we're going to go back to we're actually the ones who are the ones to rule over the public servants. So the dialogue or the monologues from the teachers to us over decades has caused us to believe that that the president is a ruler or he's he's a monarch or he's in some kind of position of kingship or whatever. but. We have to realize that in this country, in, intentionally, it was meant for there not to be a king. That's right. And that, there's, that they don't rule over us in like manner. We have given them enumerated powers, enumerated yeah. authority, limited to only those things that were documented as their authority. Yeah. So we've gotten far away from that, right? But we are actually the ones like, are the governing authority. We are the yeah. authorities that govern over those positions.
1: Well, yeah, theoretically, that's that's the truth. That's well, the way it's supposed to work.
6: So so is the scriptures, are they just theoretical? And are the rules... No, 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 I'm no, not no, saying, no, 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 no. Let me just ask the rhetorical okay, question. You mean, right. it's not... So, and that is, are these theoretical? And then are the rule of law that is supposed to govern over our land theoretical? And nobody has to an- necessarily answer it. It's just something to... Be contemplative about because obviously it's a big thing it's much bigger than any one of us can handle on our own but the the type of, of kingship that we are offering to our king is one that recognizes where authority comes from and when that breach of authority is being performed who exercises authority especially in this country for the purposes that it was designed this way
1: Okay, that's fine. I think we'll move along. (laughs) Um, Verse 29, Do not hold back offerings from your granaries or your vats. You must give me the firstborn of your sons. Okay, those are both there. Um, Do not withhold the offerings from your granaries. What, What is that basically saying?
5: Well first, first fruits: first fruits you kind of have to read them with the next verse to, to, to bring in with the child, the yeah. son
1: yeah the basic did the first you have fruits. a question
5: about the son or did you have a question? No no,
1: the question is what is this saying? It's saying the first fruits, whether it be of your granary or your vineyard or your son's sons, belong to God.
5: but you can't say sons, and it doesn't make sense unless you read the next verse, which talks about. Uh, well, do, it, do the same the, with
1: your cattle and sheep. Well, okay, I'm we should have read them together. You're I guess right.
5: what I'm getting at is it says on the eighth day. Well, how do we sacrifice our sons to God? By token on the eighth day of circumcision. Yeah. Right?
1: That's exactly right.
5: But it's still a sacrifice. We still have mm-hmm. to do it.
1: Yeah. Well, and and if you don't
5: do it, remember what happened to Moses?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you get, you get in trouble on a trip. hmm
0: John touched on what I was going to say. So okay. when we're giving our our son to God on the eighth day, that's because he's entering into that covenant agreement. So literally he's underneath, as the New Testament says, under the law. Yeah, yeah. 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 He now becomes under that covenant. He becomes under that agreement mm-hmm. at, at that point. So literally he is... Being given to God at that point of circumcision. Yeah. Yep. There's also
1: this thing though. That's true, and I wouldn't wouldn't deny any of that. There's this thing that they also do where you you can redeem him, and they do that. You know, there's a pidyon Habin or something like that, the redemption of your son, and it's uh, they God made it. We'll read about it somewhere in here. He made the the redemption price for your son like half a shilling, something that everybody has. But the point is, is I always thought that was also to teach the whole point of redemption. So, yeah. But the thing is, is the point I was really driving at is the concept of the first fruits being given to God, regardless of what they're talking about, is clear here. I mean, it's not like, oh, you know, this is optional. <laughs> it says, do not hold back, right? Give me, give me the first fruits. Of everything you get. Yeah.
5: I kind of look at it like ownership. There's two concepts of ownership. The one who, as I see it, the one who holds the title
1: mm-hmm.
5: and the one who has equitable interest in the property. Okay. The title of the property and the equitable interest of the property. Okay. Or, or stewardship over the property. All right. This to me is like, I am I'm, I'm quit claiming the any claim to the title of the property, the title of the son to God. Yep. But I'm still the managing director of this person, the parent, this the uh overseer of this child. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I'm not raising my child, I'm raising God's child. Yeah. That makes a lot of difference if you look at it that way. It sure I, does. I, you know, I, I'm not here to be your friend. <laughs> I'm here to teach you how to be a, a, a good citizen when you grow up.
1: Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. All well, these are interesting topics. Okay. As I get in trouble, let's move along. Okay, well, we have to do verse 31 because I don't have any idea what that's really for. You are my holy people... Do not eat the meat of an animal torn by a wild beast. Throw it to the dogs. Okay. So for the, the, first, the first sentence there is easy. You are my holy people. You are my set-apart people. I get that, right? He's saying, you know, you've, you've married me. I married you. So you are now set apart for me. We're, we're together in this. But then it goes on and says, Do not eat the meat of an animal torn by a wild beast. Throw it to the dogs. Does anybody have a thought about that one?
2: Does that include roadkill?
1: Yeah, that includes roadkill, for sure,
5: for sure. Well, I was thinking there was a contrast between the first fruits of this. You know, you You wouldn't give that to as as a sacrifice. It's like roadkill. You don't give roadkill as a sacrifice to God.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't say sacrifice, it says eat.
5: No, I know. But yeah. the idea is that he consumes it, the priest consumes the, the most of the sacrifices as well. I'm just trying to make a connection between Okay,
1: the I'm sure what are saying. I don't know. We can leave that there. There's, it's nice to know that we don't, everything is not crystal clear, right? Does that one have anything to do with, with the fact that that animal, whatever it was, and we can assume it was, if, it, if this didn't happen to it, it was food. No, because, yeah. It, no, right, that, but, but I think the issue here is still probably loaded
2: with
4: blood. Yeah, I think that's really it, what yeah. it
1: is. If the animal has not been killed properly, um, then the blood could be sitting in it, and that's probably the the main reason here is because you don't know what. Number one, you don't know why it died. Number two, you're not sure how you know how it. Let's see, how much it struggled in death. You know how whether or not all the blood you was evacuated. There's all kinds of there. technical reasons why this is a good idea, but. It doesn't say any of those. You
8: don't know how long it's been there.
1: That's true. Don't know how long it's been there.
8: We talked about something like this before, and I'm not sure it's the same thing. Is this the kind of meat that you can give to the the pagans? Sell it to the pagans or give it to them? It could be. Sure. Isn't that what we didn't we talk about this before? Right. Is that the same situation, or is that something different? Right. This was torn by a wild beast, yeah. right? So, could you could they do that or not? Not. Okay. Good. I I think there
7: might be because it says torn of beast in my version. Uh huh. Um, I think it might be the there there could be something like uh, there may be rabbit. Oh yeah. And, That's a very good point. Something that, you know, that would kill you anyway.
1: (laughs) Yep, yep, that's a good idea, good point. Like you said, furthermore, disease could have come into the carcass real quickly, right? So there's lots of real good reasons for not doing this.
3: The reason why there's a special way to kill kosher, the meat, is so that it dies without the... The fright.
1: Yeah, the adrenaline. The,
3: the adrenaline. Yep. And I've been sad to read <laughs> that there are some <clears throat> blood that has been collected and very high priced from a frightened oh. situation and it stays in the blood and so consequently it affects differently. Yeah. So I think that it might have something to do with this too. That well, that could be because if it's caught with a mm-hmm. you know an animal, it's yeah, obviously yeah. not going to be kosher killed yeah. for to save that blood from getting yeah. the adrenaline in it. High levels in. of
1: adrenaline in the blood. Yeah, sure, that makes sense.
4: I think uh, all these other things that God wants us to be spiritually clean. And with this eating a uh, beast, torn, he wants us to be physically clean because, like somebody said, the diseases mm-hmm. that uh, could be from an animal that we don't know. But I think God wants it both ways, spiritually clean
9: and physically sure.
1: clean. Sure, that's good. Matthew's got something.
9: Well, you, <clears throat> you noticed in the first that you are my holy people, and mm-hmm. all all that but and and so i think what god is saying there uh, plainly is that um he does not want the uh, the worst stuff for us yeah you know the That's the, okay. the the one that, the ones that are uh the discarded meat the discarded stuff yeah
1: yeah as if to say you are my holy people you don't need to eat roadkill
9: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Okay, that, that, I can buy that. Okay, let's move along. Chapter 23. Alfonso, would you like to read some of chapter 23 for us? Um, sure. Read through verse 9, if you would.
8: Shemoth, chapter 23. Do not bring a false report. Do not put your hand with the wicked to be a malicious witness. Do not follow a crowd to do evil, nor bear witness in a strife so as to turn aside after many to pervert. And do not favor a poor man in a strife. When you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall certainly return it to him. When you see the donkey of him who hates you lying under its burden, you shall refrain from leaving it to him. You shall certainly help him. Do not turn aside the right ruling of your poor in his strife keep yourself far from a false matter and do not kill the innocent and the righteous for I do not declare the wicked right and do not take a bribe for a bribe blinds the seeing one and twists the words of the righteous and do not oppress a sojourner as yourselves know the life of a sojourner because you were sojourners in the land of Mitzrayim.
1: Okay. There's a lot of good ones right in this one and none of them are too hard. (laughs) Um, do not spread false reports and help a, or help a wicked man by being a malicious witness. Is that pretty clear? Mark's got something.
0: So we've been learning about Hamas. Mm-hmm. That's our word here for malicious. Malicious, Hamas. Meaning without righteousness and without social justice. That's a malicious witness.
1: That's a malicious witness, all right. Without righteousness, without social justice. So can you think of a way that you might uh, help a wicked man by being a malicious witness? No, you, you had something you wanted to say other than that. Yeah,
5: the, the, okay. the false report. What happened to the, to the ten spies that spied out the land? Yeah. Did they come back with a wicked and false report?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you could argue that they didn't lie, but they certainly... Um it was malicious. Right.
5: Yeah. So what is your other one about the
1: No, that was okay. I just that's a good enough example. I just Mark's got something else
0: though. This is kind of funny. In verse 2 it says you shall not follow the Hebrew word is rabim. Rabim. <laughs> R A B B I
1: <laughs> it's like rabble, huh? So yeah, the next verse says, Do not follow a crowd in doing wrong. What's that look like? Mob. Mob. Right? Don't don't get caught up in a mob. Right? That really what? is a that's a pretty real thing. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd, and do not show favoritism to a poor man in a lawsuit. Okay, siding with the crowd. You know, you know. When, well, I tell you a good example of that was when uh, Pilate presented Yeshua and Barabbas, and to the to the people and said, "Which one shall I let go?" They all said, "Barabbas, we want Barabbas." You know, right? Uh, you know, they didn't all feel that way, and if you got people one at a time to say what they thought, it might have turned out differently. But that's—I'm sure—that's what they're talking about when it talks about. Uh, um,
2: do you think, in that case, there was a very select group? I mean, yes, the common people were not there to render a decision.
1: Uh, was, yeah, right. It was a put-up job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's. I'm kind of curious.
2: Curious about verse three. Uh, I don't quite understand what that means. Mine says, do not favor a poor man in his strife.
1: Okay, mine says, do not show favoritism to a poor man in his lawsuit. That's a similar thing, if not the same. Yeah. Okay, that, that's what we talking about, because why does it say a poor man?
5: Well, we can soak the billionaires, right? They're not poor. Yeah, we're poor, so we get to soak the billionaires.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. Is right,
5: right. wrong is wrong. If either they have the right to the property or they don't.
1: Yeah, yep, yep. You know, God. God really. Let's see. One of the things that one of these light bulb moments I had is when I kind of figured that, and I think you can support this. God is the perfect mixture of justice and love. Okay, now love is forgiving and compassionate and tolerant, but justice is exact, blind, not gonna be you know not doesn't show favoritism. And how you could put those two things together is difficult, but he knows how to do it perfectly. And so, the, what this is basically saying is, just because the guy is poor, you know, poor is a relative term. If he's poor, then his lawsuits against a rich person because the person's obviously. Not poor, right? So um, he's basically saying, just because he's poor, you don't get to pervert justice. Justice is justice.
2: Do you think, uh, like, it, in the a case where some, like, I guess there's a lot of cases in, uh, in this day where somebody who's disadvantaged and then they portray him as, a, you know, just a poor kid, yeah. needs a break. Yeah. And so... They kind of tug at the heartstrings. Is that what you're kind of saying? Yeah, yeah.
1: I am kind of saying that. I'm also kind of saying that I think I used to be a victim of this when I was a a young rebellious teenager was, you know, the, uh, you know, well, I'll tell you the phrase, stick it to the man. Yeah. Right, you know, Uh, it's a big old corporate giant. You know, what do we care? They'll never miss the money kind of a thing. You know, yeah, that's wrong. It's just wrong. Wrong's wrong. But it feels good.
5: (laughs) It's not an argument against not trying to help the poor. That's not what we're. That's not no. what this is discussing. This is saying justice, yeah. right? Yeah. Right is right, and wrong is wrong.
1: Justice is extremely important to God.
5: Yeah. We, the, what is the the Thou shalt not steal? If I'm going to steal from one person to, to to give to a poor person, it's still stealing.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like there was a case a few years back. Uh, uh some kid. I think it was in Indonesia or the Philippines or something. He was. I think he was, like, doing graffiti, and he got arrested, and he was, like, the son of a some VIP American guy. And the penalty for his crime was to be caned. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. And, and there was just all this outcry, like, how can you do this? And, yeah. But I guess that's their punishment, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's kind of what we're talking about, that, right?
1: That is what we're talking about okay. here. Like I say, I... I I think it's important sometimes to ponder God's requirements for justice because that helps understand helps, under, helps us understand the need for Yeshua. For example, you know, justice will be served. Uh, God's merciful and He comes up with ways to you know you can okay you can perform community service or whatever, but it's going to be served.
5: No respect or a person.
1: That's right. That's right. Okay, let's go on here. Oh, this is fun. I like this one. If the verse 4: If you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure you take it back to him. Now it's not your neighbor, it's your enemy. If you come across your enemy's ox or donkey, if you see the donkey of someone who hates you falling down under its load, do not leave it there. Be sure you help him with it. Now this That's a big deal, right? Pat's got something on that. What, is it dead? Okay, there's a... We've got the technology to fix that. But, I'll have... It'll probably take a minute to find the batteries because our filing system leaves a little to be desired. I think the thing that's interesting about it is because it's kind of contrary to human nature to help your enemy, you know. Now, the, the situation that's drawn is, is interesting because it's not like saying help your enemy by helping him load the gun that he's pointing at you. You know, it's not saying that, but it's, you know, it's assuming that uh, an ox or a donkey wandering off, you know, that's, that's a, a non-life-threatening situation. And uh, anybody would appreciate having that, you know, help with that. And the same with a donkey falling down under the load, you know. It's, those are, oh, I don't know, you might even call them humane things to do. And so enemies are enemies, but uh, you're always asked to act and asked required to act in a humane and compassionate way. How many, how many uh, engineers does it change, take to change the light bulb? Hello? There we go. Now, after all that, have you forgotten what you wanted to say?
3: No. Good. I've even added to it. No. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I've noticed that Yahweh is concerned about animals, and we should never underestimate that. For one thing.
1: That's a good point.
3: But several years ago, I read this in my devotions in the morning, and that stuck out to me when I went out in my yard and found several um, bulls in our field. Mm-hmm. My natural, ordinary instinct would have been to go shoo them out, you get on down the road.
1: Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know where property. you live, just got out of here, right? Yeah.
3: But because I had read that, I closed the fence and notified the owners, and they came and got them. Yeah. But if it hadn't been for reading that that morning, I'm sorry to say yeah. I wouldn't have.
1: That's a very good point. Like I say, that's not necessarily our first response. Yeah.
9: So am I correct to understand that this did not come from the New Testament of saying, love your enemy as yourself?
1: Yeah. Well, obviously here you see it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
9: So it's not a new thing.
1: No, no, no. So that's one of the fun things about going through the Torah <laughs> is you find out there's not hardly anything in the New Testament that's not already here. Just stick your hand up and… Yes. yeah.
4: You didn't see it because there. <laughs> uh, it also reminds me of the Good Samaritan back in the New Testament uh-huh. where uh, the guy… Uh, the samaritan uh a priest goes by this guy and he is like when i was an emt we used to say oh no what's the old no squad going up to somebody and saying oh no but anyway it was uh the good samaritan evidently he didn't know this guy yeah but uh he did have compassion on him and uh tried helping which he did
1: yeah yeah Mm good. So the verse uh, 6 is kind of a repeat. It says, Do not deny justice to your poor people in their lawsuits. Have nothing to do with false charge, and do not put an innocent or an honest person to death, for I will not acquit the guilty.
0: So, it appears in the Hebrew and in the Greek the word I isn't there. And it really goes along with the other places in scripture, Exodus thirty-four, seven, Deuteronomy twenty-five, one, Romans one eighteen, are all talking about you shall not acquit the guilty. Okay. And so and if you look at in context here, it's everything that's being said all the way from four all the way down to eight is you, 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 you. So I would lean to more to what God is saying is, you shall not acquit the guilty. And I like this word acquit because it's another one of those courtroom words.
1: Yeah. So the implication there is that there are people in your society who you are going to appoint as judges over these matters. So when those, those are the you. You don't do this. They're of your people, like, like you've been saying, Jody. So the, the, it's, they're your people. Now you don't do this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike? Hand over here. That's okay. Don't worry about it. You get to be a, a participant as well. We're just going to bug you more.
6: So that goes a little bit like our discussion beforehand. Yep. So we have that responsibility that we can't turn a blind eye to anything, really.
1: Yep, that's true. That's true. I, like I say, that's one of the things I think, one of the main things you get out of Torah is that what goes on in the lives of the people within your community matters to you. And you have a responsibility. If you see, you know, you see bad things happening or you see needs being, not being met, you have a responsibility. That's real important. Go ahead, John.
5: I just I wanted to echo what Mark was saying. This is a great chapter. There's a lot of legal, how Le- what to do, how to do things. Yep. Which is important. Well, what was the controversy about you? As for I missed that.
1: Well, the the point was is that. What verse are we verse on? Verse six, primarily. It it doesn't say I will not acquit the guilty. It says, it it's, the implication is you must not acquit the guilty. You you know it's it's basically saying he put. The judging on the part of us.
5: The emphasis is on us instead of yeah. saying, well, God will deal with that. Yeah, have yeah, deal yeah. With
1: it. yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Joni has something else.
6: So it goes back to on Shabbat when, when you were mentioning the we in terms of being the temple, uh, the idea that the you here too... We can't catch everything on our own, but we need to at least be diligent to make sure those things are, are you, know, you know, caught, I guess, or observed. And then we need to work better together to make sure there aren't gaps in yep. our ability yep. to honor him. Yeah.
0: So because you're fairly, you know, I share that we as an assembly have appointed uh, men that have been elevated to a position of judge we call them the Bet dean of the house. And so they they will make judgments on disputes and, and matters and issues within this family. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's part of what you
6: were saying. That's what, that's, you guys. Okay. And so I was thinking more of the entire body, but it is important within every portion, right? yes. Right. yes.
1: Yep, they all decide, like, leaders of hundreds, leaders of fifties, leaders of ten. That's, you know, we can kind of look at it that way. Okay. Um, There's just two verses left in this whole section. Verse 8 says, Do not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds those who see and twists the words of the righteous. I I remember, um, bribes are insidious things. I mean, it's one thing to, uh, I I have never been in a position where, you know, someone says, you know, I'll give you 50 bucks if you'll, you know, make this decision this way. But I felt that way whenever we would, I was involved in various different things in my past with letting contracts or deciding who got awards for this, that, or the other. And, you know, these guys would come by and they'd say, well, let's go out to lunch, right? I'll buy your lunch. And, and it's a simple thing. It's a simple thing. They go out to lunch, and then they tell you how good you are and how great everything is, you know. And Then when you come back and you're busy trying to judge, and you got these things sitting there, and you know that this one here is uh, the, the favorite of the guy that took you to lunch, it matters. You know, you'd like to say, it doesn't matter. And, you know, I said, it doesn't matter. And he said, oh, it doesn't matter. You think I'm going to try to buy your vote for lunch? how you insult me, you know, uh, but it matters. That stuff, bribes are, they're bad things. John.
5: You notice in countries too. I mean, countries that allow that sort of, well, oh, that's a common,
1: go ahead and bribe them. Yeah. It's just, oh, yeah. some, some countries it's institutionalized.
5: Yeah. That's like, you're not going to, that country that. is going to be limited on their blessings because they just don't trust. Yeah. They, they don't trust. Well, it's the, not honest. Right. Yeah. They don't, it's just a breakdown of a, of the fiber of society.
1: Yeah, I'll, I agree with that. That's a good way to put it.
2: In Washington, they call it lobbying.
1: Yeah, they call it lobbying. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. Yeah. My translation doesn't say uh, uh, what you said. It says gifts. Gifts. And, well, uh, that's even worse. Uh, yeah. Uh, some gifts have. Uh, Strings attached. Yes. If you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. You know, if, if I give you this, then I expect uh, yeah. this from you.
1: Yeah. Well, some, and sometimes they have strings attached, and the strings are not even really specified. But everybody knows they're there. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. The fact that I bought my friend lunch hasn't got anything to do with the fact that he chose us. You know?
7: Some countries, it's a way of doing business. Oh yeah, that's what how, how it's done. That's yeah. how it's done. Yeah. I think, I think uh, though, it does influence any kind of influence like that. Monetary, mm-hmm. it's like people pretty much they they have you in their pocket. Yeah, like yeah. I say, you know, like I say, <laughs> and it's
1: not a it's not a big thing. Well, it could be, but in the case that I was drawing, it was not a, a like I feel obligated or I was going to get in trouble if I didn't. Uh, you know, get a, a contract out on me or something. It was just that there's a little pressure there. It does, it's exactly what it says. It says it uh, blinds those who see and twists the words of the righteous. Yeah.
6: Right, so then it does make a difference if it says to not take a gift versus to take a bribe, right? Mm-hmm. Because it makes, it makes you realize that if you put, are put into that type of position that if someone wants to give you any type of gift that you, you're just simply to pleasantly decline it yeah. then so that that doesn't become an issue?
1: You know, that, that brings like. up a point. That This is, I don't know whether this applies or not, but since we we like to go all over the place, we lived in uh, Jordan for a year, and uh, did, we lived in a little town. It wasn't very big at the time. It was Aqaba, and we'd you know, walk up and down the streets and get to know the different sh- shop owners and whatnot, and they'd always ask you to come in and give you, you know, come in, I'll give you a cup of coffee. Let me, you know, I'd like to give you a cup of coffee. And I never would do it. Um, uh, but finally, one of these guys, they, they asked me, they says, how, how come you Americans, was the way he put it, how come you guys won't ever take a cup of coffee? You know, we just want to give you a cup of coffee. And I told him outright, I says, because if I take a cup of coffee from you, I'm going to feel obligated to buy something in your store, and I may not want to do that. And they said, really? They said, you know, like he didn't know that. <laughs> well, we didn't. We'd never do that. We just wanted to give you a cup of coffee. I,
5: I think it also uh, elevates the significance of accountability, like literally accounting. You have to account for how did you get this, it, you know, gifts and things like that. Yeah. You, it's, accounting is a righteous thing because you will be held accountable. Yes. And this is a good example. If you've been entrusted with assets— then you have to account for things. Yeah,
1: yeah. that's fair. That's a good point. Okay, the last thing that wraps up this little passage is, uh, do not oppress an alien. You yourselves know how it feels to be aliens because you were aliens in Egypt. So that's the way this thing, or we, we ran across that once again in this, or once before in this chapter. Verse 21, do not mistreat an alien or oppress him for you were aliens in Egypt. That's twice now in one chapter. He said that, so that must be important, right? It isn't. This comes up a lot. God reminds
5: these. (laughs) Mm -hmm. God reminds Israel. Do you remember
1: when you were in, you know, Egypt? So, but I mean, to me, that's just a a strong admonition again to be compassionate. Don't just just because you got all these people under under your thumb, you've got them subjugated, doesn't give you a right to go off and oppress them and treat them poorly. Okay. Um, we didn't get too far, but let me, we can actually probably do this This next little section. I'll read it. Yes. Just a second.
6: Mm-hmm. Because it just made me think that so much has to do with our future, too, and how we needing to return, right, and do repent and do these things. So, the, so it's, it is kind of a question, not just it's maybe we need to be really aware of this because we may be going into a time in which the authority that he's given us to bring his authority is one that we have to be hyper aware of the compassion that we need to have. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that, that's a good point. Yeah, it's, uh, it says that in the latter days, you know, that man's love will grow cold. You know, to me, that that means the opposite of this. It means, you know, not being compassionate. It means seeing needs and ignoring them. So yeah, you you probably are right. We probably have a need to be very sensitive to this. Let me read this last little passage, and then we'll we'll either talk about it or we'll not. I'm going to start in verse 10. For six years, you are to sow your fields and harvest the crops. But during the seventh year, let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among your people may get food from it, and the wild animals may eat what they leave. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. Six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and the slave born in your household and the alien as well may be refreshed. Be careful to do everything I have said to you. Do not invoke the names of other gods and do not let them be heard on your lips. So that's a good little little hunk to talk about. Joe's got something.
4: You know, as there are uh, seven days... Uh, rest that god has given us there's also seven years so he wants us to rest the land
1: yep well one yeah uh, yeah rest the land seven.
4: and uh, give that and i i can't think of the hebrew word for that it's
1: shmita. Uh, shmita,
4: yeah. that uh part of the problem of america is they have broken that mm-hmm. and god's going to hold them is holding them accountable for that in there but uh, there was a purpose for God to give the land a rest as he gave the Shabbat.
1: Yep, yep. The, it's been shown that all farmland, productive land, if you let it lie, the term for that is fallow, if you let it lie fallow for a year, out of every seven, let's say, um, it's more productive after that. So
2: I think they have figured that out, and they do do that now.
1: Yeah, they do it more often. There yeah. are government programs to encourage that actually, but it's not done, it's 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 not not done, done because like, God wanted yeah. it done. It's done because they found out it was actually a pretty smart thing to do. Go figure. Yeah. Um, this, this, it's called, this little section of my Bible is called the Sabbath Laws, but the main thing it does is it talks about uh, the Shemitah, this, this seventh year. Now, one of the questions that comes up is uh, um, if you're going to leave the land unplowed and unused, how's anybody going to get any food off of it? Well, the answer is is the land that seventh year will produce something. If you don't plant anything, it'll still produce from seed that's fallen or from the plants that aren't, aren't um, annuals. So there will be stuff there. It just won't be a full harvest. So there will be food, food for the poor um, and uh, the wild beasts. And so the question comes, so how does the farmer live? Any thoughts? Yeah. One thing he can do is he can save ahead. He knows this is coming, so it's not like a surprise to him. Mm-hmm.
6: And, the, and the double portion, right, on the sixth year.
1: Yep, yep. His sixth year, if he's smart, his sixth year will be... Well, God will show him by making... And God will take... The whole point of the... Not the whole point. One of the points of the Sabbath, both of the weekly Sabbath and of the this annual thing, is to learn to be... Dependent on God to learn to trust Him.
5: Well, so, but what you're not doing, you're, you're not farming. Yeah. So, you're what do you do? Well, like a sabbatical year, that's you're a, doing something that's from a learning point of view. I think this is like, that's a good point. The, you know, you, this is a traditional thing where you follow a rabbi for a year, mm-hmm. and you have time to, not just on the it's a it's a, you know, it's, it's, yep, it's that's a, a good sabbatical point. I, year. Yep.
1: That year we spent in Jordan was a sabbatical. It wasn't the seventh year, but... You know, I quit my job to go do that. And they supported me. Well, they supported me by saying I could come back. <laughs> um, this is good. We've gone to our time limit. Thank you. This I like our discussions. You guys are a good good group of discussion Let me close in prayer. Father God, thank you for the evening. Thank you for uh, the study of your Torah tonight. Thank you for these... Um, laws that we're looking at and and because they show so much of how you expect us to behave, how you expect us to think about our um, fellow community members and the people that we run into and how you expect us to um, treat the things that you've given us and our responsibilities. Uh, I thank you for the encouragement that it gives us. Um, just the example that it shows us. That You haven't left us alone to make this up. Uh, we know how we're supposed to act and we just uh, We ask that you'd help us to um, think on these things and to put them into action more in our lives. Bless us as we go through this coming week and uh, keep us healthy until we get together on Shabbat. And again, let's see, in a week, two weeks, in Yeshua's name, amen. As a reminder, we won't be here next week, but the week after. So, thanks.